the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is the real story of St. Patrick? And then, how are evangelicals thought of culturally? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Friday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, it's, it's almost your birthday, but yes. even more than that today, anyone who listens to this show knows that you have this weird... <laughs> Uh, kind of thing that you do where you just break out in an, an Irish accent. Yeah, it I just knew comes that, out I, of nowhere. I knew it that's happens, what you're going to say. It does. It comes out it of nowhere. It happens without warning. Yep. But today's your day. It's yes. St. Patrick's Day. So I don't Happy know if you want to do the whole Day. Show. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. I, you know what I think? I It's it's my roots. I've got some of those Scotch-Irish roots in me, and I think they just come out. It's like my ancestors are like, <laughs> speak for us. And so I go, okay, top of the it's so too bad it's it a is, terrible Irish accent. Like, that's the was. problem. If it was good, that'd be entertaining. But it's just a bad Irish accent that I break out in every once in a while. It is St. Patrick's Day. So in a second, we're going to talk about who St. Patrick was. But it always amazes me, uh, having grown up in a, you know, kind of a... In a Christian home. I didn't, we didn't do a lot of uh, the revelry of St. Patrick's. We're also not yes. Irish, right? Right, but, right. I live in Downers Grove, and if you drive downtown today, Aubrey, on a work day, I'll be at a Friday. Yep. There's especially a place, there's an Irish place downtown, but any place, people are spilling out of the bars in the (laughs) morning. No, no. Yes. Wow. And you're kind of like, it throws you because you're like... Really? Like in the suburbs? Like you probably just dropped your kid off at elementary yeah, school and then right, drove right. You here. To like like what's your, going on? You have to pick your kid up at like 2.47 in the afternoon. Are you sure you should be in the bar? It is funny. It's such, I guess, because it's Irish and so it's connected to drink culture. But man, it is like a, people love to drink on St. Patty's Day all week long in our town. We live in a, a primarily Hispanic town, mostly Mexican people. So it's not really a St. Patty's crowd, but I mean, all week long, I've been seeing people like donning their green and decorating their cars with shamrocks. That's something I haven't seen. I feel like more and more people are into the holiday this year. Between uh, it being St. Patrick's Day and today being day two of the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, I I will venture a guess that there are more people at the bars than at work today. (laughs) You might be right. We're the only ones. We're the only suckers going to work today. (laughs) (laughs) Today would have been the day for a remote somewhere. This would have been the day. (laughs) Live from an Irish bar. It's the Collingwood. You know what those Irish bars are looking for on St. Patrick's Day? Christian a, uh, talk show. A, a, a Christian talk show. Yeah, they, they, want two, they want two pastors in their bar for sure talking about St. Patrick. Uh, could I please have an unsweetened iced tea, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what do times. you know? 
What, if anything, do you know of St. Patrick? I want to tell the story, just a very, very, very little bit of it. I mean, I know his story is pretty amazing. Like, I know he was a missionary. I think at one point he was, like, kidnapped. Like, he had some rough stuff happen to him. He ended up going back to Ireland. It might be confusing him with somebody else. Um, no. And then, and Let then, me read okay, you the I first part, so and then and you can continue, because you okay, are... Keep going. You're really on. St. Patrick who lived in the 5th century, is the patron saint of Ireland and its national apostle. Born in Roman Britain, he was kidnapped and brought to Ireland as a slave at 16. He later escaped, but returned to Ireland and was credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland. Amazing. Amazing. Why that got associated with getting drunk at the bars, I'm not sure. It seems like it should be associated with like going to church or like preaching the gospel on the street. But um, that's fun. That's so cool. Yeah. So I, th- that's right. I remember that part of his story where he was sold into slavery and but then he went back willingly yep. to preach the gospel. That's wild to me. Can you imagine Listen like that? That right there is so kingdom preaching the gospel to the people who enslaved you. Man, hallelujah for him. Let me go. Let me read some of this from uh, I'm reading this from Voice of the Martyrs. They said St. Patrick continued his journey across Ireland. He preached at racetracks and other places of worldly indulgences, seeing many people come to Christ. However, it was not without opposition. The Druids often tried to poison him. One time, a barbarian warrior speared Patrick's chariot driver to death in an attempt to kill Mm -hmm. Patrick. He was often ambushed at his evangelistic events and was enslaved again. Again for a short time, he had to purchase safe passage through a hostile warlord's land to continue on his journey. Mm-mm. Another time, Patrick and his companions were taken as prisoners and were going to be killed, but they were later released in confessions. Patrick, Patrick wrote, as every day arrives, I expect either sudden death or deception or being taken back as a slave mm. or some such other misfortune. Mm-hmm. But I fear none of these since I look to the promise of heaven and have flung myself into the hands of the all powerful God who rules as the Lord everywhere. Mm. He journeyed throughout Ireland, sharing Christ until his death on March 17th, around 461 AD. Isn't that crazy? He, he also is. He's also known for that very famous prayer that was apparently like written on his breastplate or carved into his breastplate. I, I don't know that. if that's always true, but like about Christ being in us and around us, may the strength of God pilot us, the wisdom of God instruct us, the hand of God protect us, the word of God direct us. Like it's, it's beautiful like that. Christ within me, Christ before me, Christ mm-hmm. behind me, Christ beneath me. That's the St. Patrick's prayer, which is so powerful. So what a life. two things about St. Patrick. One you pointed out it is interesting that now it is known as a day to wear green and drink yeah. uh, because that is kind of what it is. But what's the lesson? Like, I do think it's important to slow down and go, you know, who's St. Patrick? Who's St. Nicholas? Who's St. Whatever? After all of St. Valentine. We did that one on Valentine's yep. Day. What's the takeaway? What do we what can we learn from the life of St. Patrick? So I would say, by the way, our producer just pointed out that some people, especially Protestant people, wear orange on St. Patty's Day instead of green. Because we talked about this last year, Brian. I don't know if you remember because of William the Orange, the Protestant king who overthrew the Roman Catholic King James in the second revolution. So anyway, Mm. kind of connecting to Ireland's history. Back to the question you asked, what's the lesson? I mean... 
I think to like literally Jesus talking about loving your enemy, here's a guy so committed to the gospel that he risked finances, money Mm. in his own life to go back and preach the love of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus uh, to people who enslaved him. I mean, I, you know, that's a wild lesson in this day and age. And I don't know that it would even sit well in this day and age. Like it would be hard to be like, yeah, go back to your oppressor Mm. and preach the love of Jesus, risk everything for that. And yet I think ultimately that's why St. Patrick's is a martyr. That's why St. Patrick is a saint because he risked his life for the gospel, but not just mm-hmm. to people he loved, not friends and neighbors, but to those who literally enslaved him, made fun of him, yeah. ridiculed him, threatened to kill him, killed his people. Like, I mean, it's a it's a wild, wild faithfulness that this guy had. And it really is. Uh, and I, this- you know, I don't think we, we I don't think we celebrate that enough. Absolutely. This article ends this way. We may never be enslaved, imprisoned, or beaten because of our faith in Christ, but many may make fun of us for believing in Jesus' promises of heaven and placing our faith in a God they do not see with their eyes and cannot touch with their hands. We pray this version of Patrick's courageous life will inspire you to stand firm in Christ and stand strong for him as you tell others about the greatest gift we can ever be given, salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, that's a good wrap up right there. Yeah, I love that. So as other people are pouring out of the bars and this and that, uh, take some time to learn that lesson of St. Patrick. Well, coming up next, Aubrey, how are we as evangelicals thought of around the country? There is a new oh. study out by Barna that uh, might discourage oh, some of you. Oh, We're going to do that oh, next man. year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. So glad to have you with us on this St. Patrick's Day. If you're wondering what's the story of St. Patrick, it is actually pretty inspiring to our faith. I would encourage you to go get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast as we started the show talking about the life of St. Patrick. But let's talk present day, Aubrey. Our friend Kate Shellnut over at Christianity Today. Tell me this isn't just a great title. You ready for this? Ready. Evangelicals are the most beloved U.S. faith group among evangelicals. (laughs) (laughs) But she said, but among the worst rated by everybody else in a new Pew Research Center report released Wednesday, 27 percent of Americans expressed an unfavorable view of evangelicals compared to 10 percent who have a negative view of mainline Protestants or 18% who have a negative view of Catholics Hmm. about as many have a favorable approach to evangelicals, 28%, but this is where the headline comes from, but that's mostly due to positive sentiment from American evangelicals themselves, which is about a quarter of the population. So we think highly of ourselves. Wow. But I think the bigger message here is, um, and maybe not surprising, but what the Pew Research Center is finding is uh, that 27%, that's pretty high, of the culture is saying we do not think highly. And that number, while while us evangelicals have always been number one, uh, it's growing. It's getting higher. What's yeah. uh, Why do you think that is? What is a takeaway from this? Oh, man. I mean, this is kind of interesting. And, and later in the article... Dan DeWitt, who's the executive director of the Center for Worldview Analysis and Cultural Engagement at Southern Southwest Baptist University, he basically says, like, 
This is a problem in America and a crisis for our public witness, and we can't ignore it any more if we care about our commitment to the Bible, the Great Commission, and our neighbor. It's, I, you know, I, I can only make guesses here why it's mm-hmm. so negative, right? Some of it, I think, is... You know, we make these, uh, we lump people in groups without necessarily knowing people from those groups. And so some of it is like, although here I am an evangelical saying good things about evangelicals. Part of me is going to say, just get to know an evangelical and you'll realize they're not all weird and crazy. But uh, there I am part of the part of that Pew study, I suppose. I'm guess. I'm going to make some guesses here. I think some of it is uh, just our the vocal politics of some evangelical Christians that people assume all evangelical Christians are in those political camps. Mm-hmm. Some of it is probably our stances around situations or, uh, sorry, identity related to LGBTQ and even the way we talk about it or distance ourselves from LGBTQ people. Um, some of it might be like Christians who are supposed to be the most loving people in the world. I just have a reputation of being hateful because of some of those boundaries. Um, maybe abortions in here, maybe a pro-life stance, Mm -hmm. but my guess is a a lot of evangelicals are being sort of lumped in based on some perception of what's happening online, on Twitter, politically, et cetera. Like the Jerry Falwells of the world kind of get, we all get lumped in with that. Mm. And, um, And at the same time, I do think we can't use it as an excuse, like to look at the plank in our own eyes and go, am I actually being a good neighbor to my neighbors? Am I a good citizen in my community? Am I loving people that God has called me to love? And I think this is it's hard, right? Because it's going to become increasingly true that um, in a post-Christian society, Christians are not going to be the most popular group. So some of this should not surprise us. Right. And yet I wonder if it should spur us on to get better at our the way we're perceived. I think it's I I think you cut that line well, because I think we need to say what what part of this is our fault. Yeah. And what part like it doesn't surprise me that mainline Protestants are thought well, because quite frankly, mainline Protestant, many mainline Protestant denominations, uh, their their beliefs on social issues tend to line up with the culture. They're pretty close. Right, right. Versus, I think this speaks a lot to culture wars. I think this speaks a lot to politicalization of the Mm -hmm. word evangelical. Mm -hmm. I think this speaks a lot to how that's been kind of taken over. Um, And so uh, I do think we need to ask ourselves, so what do we do about this? Well, let me ask you a more provocative question. Should we care about this? Like, should I care that this is what the Pew Research Center found? So, you know how we sometimes land on why not both? I -hmm. I don't want to take that road here, but I do think there is a piece to it. Like, yes, I actually do think we should care, but not in the way that makes us be like, and we have rights. And like, I, I think if we care, it should be just what I said before. Like, let it hold a mirror up to us and our own church community as evangelicals. So like, maybe let's not look at the evangelicals around the world that you can't control, but like my community, are we being loving neighbors? Mm-hmm. Are we building bridges? Are we pouring into our community? Are we doing what we know we can do as best 
best as we can do while still being faithful to our convictions about certain issues that may be hot topic in this button. And then that's all we can control, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, so as a community, what choices and bridges are we making and building while still standing firm on the foundations we believe are true biblically? And then the rest you let go of, like you can't change people's perception after that, but you can do what you can to make some change. You know what's interesting though, Brian, you asking that Kevin and I have actually had conversations and he is more and more like, I wonder if, I mean, our church, just like your church, nowhere does it say renewal church is an evangelical church, but like that's the camp we're in. And mm-hmm. Kevin has often wondered, is there a different camp we can say renewal church is a part of? Like, can we sort of categorically change it? And I'm like, I don't know if we need to, but he feels stronger and stronger that we should because of the bad reputation. The hard part about that, I get where he's coming from. The hard mm-hmm. part about that is there's no good, well-known category. Right. And so let's say you make one up or you like yeah. someone visiting your church is going to go. They're eventually going to land on you're either evangelical or not. <laughs> right. You're uh, evangelical in disguise. Yeah. But I get the heart of what he's saying there for sure, especially when you get around the political nature. I think for us, the answer to should we care about this, it should not cause us to now go, we must now do everything we can for our culture around us to love us and think well of us. That's not the goal here. But I do think it should cause us to ask questions that go, how's our witness? Mm -hmm. Am I loving my neighbor well? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because let's be honest, a lot of... Uh, you, you get a lot of pastors and, and people who are like, well, we're never supposed to be thought of well. We're never. Sp- well, I would point you to the early church yeah. uh, when they were the ones, you know, caring for the sick. They were right. the ones right. with the lepers and all this. Right. And, you know, we all remember the story. Everyone is quoting it around covid where the the emperor, the governor was like, we need to start acting like them because they're winning people over mm-hmm. by their love. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can look in the mirror and say, you know what, we're loving people well. We're, but we are also standing for what we believe. And if it's what we believe that is causing the, the disconnect, I think that's okay. I think we have to be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, not unloving about that, but okay with that. But if it's like our obnoxiousness. Yeah. Like, are we being our, jerks? Right. Right. Then we should look at that and go, mm-hmm. we deserve this rating, quote unquote, and we need to do something about it. So I think it really comes down to what's driving this. And like you said, each of us could only individually as churches look in the mirror and go, yeah, I don't think we're doing a good job. Right. Or, yeah, right. I do. Um, because I do think a lot, these polls are a lot about, you know, evangelical is now political, Republican, all of this yeah, stuff. But yeah. I think it's a worthwhile question as pastors and leaders to go, how are we thought of in our community? How mm-hmm. do people in my town yes. think of me? Yes. And, uh, and, and ask that hard question. Yeah, so I you think can, that's really good. Uh, evangelicals, I just love that title. Evangelicals are the most, are the most beloved U.S. faith group among good. evangelicals. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Coming up next, want to read a tweet from one of our favorite pastors uh, that really dives at how do we take care of our soul? Do you want to have a healthy soul? He says, do this list of things. I want to hmm. unpack this list next on The Common Good. Uh, AIM 1160, hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, I, I, something we talk about in, in the church world, we'll ask people, how's your soul? Right. Yeah. And I don't think when we say that, we mean like, are you saved? What do you think right. we mean when we say, how's your soul? Almost like, are you healthy? Are you mm-hmm. experiencing a, a life, a life giving life? I actually read this 
poem by Mary Oliver yesterday that somebody shared on Instagram. I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but she said something like, are we breathing just a little bit and calling it a life? Are we barely breathing and calling it a life? And I I think, um, oh, here it is. Listen. Are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? Mm. I think that when we ask people, how's your soul? We're kind of saying like, how are you living? How are things going? How's your Mm. heart? Are you living well or are you depressed, despairing, scarcity, that kind of thing? That's what, that's good. I think I was praying. Our elders were praying with someone the other day and I just asked this guy, I said, how's your soul? And I remember Mm. thinking to myself, People don't usually ask the question that way, but I knew he knew what I meant. I knew what yeah, I meant. Like, how yeah. are you doing with this? How are, yeah. you, how are you holding up? Yeah. Uh, so circling back to one of our favorite pastors, Scott Sauls, he's been prolific on Twitter and so good that we've taken a few of them this week. Uh, he created a list, Aubrey. We love lists. I love, I love lists. lists here. Yeah, me too. It's called for a solid soul. And let me just read his list of maybe 10 things or so. Okay. Uh, and then um, you respond to one or all of them or just okay. a collection of them. He yep. just wrote this for a solid soul. Read the Bible daily for 25 years. Hmm. Pick one church and stay there. Prioritize Sabbath. Apologize when wrong. Forgive when wronged. Give more than you take. Talk less. Listen more. Don't steal time at work. Be the same at home as in public. Mm. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. I I really would actually love to know, love to know where he kind of, how he aggregated this list. I do Mm. have to say one thing off the top. Talk less, listen more made me immediately think of talk less, smile more from Hamilton. Um, <laughs> so now that song is stuck in my head. Yeah, I, you know, this is really interesting for a solid soul. One of the, his last one, be the same at home as in public. That's actually a prayer that I have prayed over my kids since they were in my little tummy. I have, there's a, uh, I think it's Psalm 101 that talks about being the same inside of your home as outside of your home, like being having integrity inside and outside. And that's something I've always prayed over my kids because it's easy to be one version of yourself at home. And it's Mm. easy. And that's really the definition of hypocrisy, right? When you're something else in public. And so I, I I think that is that piece of integrity is so, so important. Um, It's the same way James talks about like letting your yeses be yeses and your no be no's. I think that's the same concept of being the same at home as you are in public, like not putting on a mask. That's right. So I really appreciate that one. This concept of picking one church, and staying there, you know, this is, I think this is new in some ways, a new thought, because for a long time, we either church hopped and church shopped, mm-hmm. or we just kind of assume, hey, you're at a church until God moves you on. Like mm-hmm. there's always sort of an end date at a church. And that may be for nefarious reasons or not. I think it's just the way we've kind of done things. And in American culture, we've moved a lot for jobs and we've relocated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the concept of picking a church and just staying there through thick and thin, I find, um, challenging, but also I can see the value of that. Like, what would it look like to just stay in a place and not hop around simply because you're annoyed with the pastor or you're annoyed with the current season the church is in, but you stay as if it's your family, which I think is a proper definition of the church. Yeah. 
Um, There is something to that connected to your soul. And I'm saying that with a little hesitation because I understand like God's people have sort of always been pilgrim people. God's people have always been on the move. God calls people out to other churches. So I don't want this to ever feel legalistic, Mm -hmm. but I've been... You know, we had uh, pastors Daniel Grothy and Andrew Arndt on last week from New Life Church, and they essentially said the same thing. Pick a place and stay there and pick a city and stay there. And I, right, you know, I've been did. thinking about that recently. Like, what is the end goal of that? I think it may be that that's where your best witness is. I just, you stay in a place and people see you long term living for Jesus and you pour into other people in a place. I don't know. There's something interesting about that idea. Uh, his first one there, read the Bible daily for 25 years. There's a, I, I think that for 25 years is very intentional because yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times we say, read the Bible daily. And I, I'm guilty as charged on this one. You do really well with it for two weeks, yeah. three weeks. Yep. And then eventually it peters out and it's just kind of, he's like day in, day out. Day in, day out, immerse yourself in the word yep. with whatever program you need to use or yep. whatever, whatever you need to use. Yeah. But that uh, this long uh, standing just rootedness in the Bible takes time, time, uh, but it bears fruit. Like when I first read that, you expect on his list to be read the Bible like you mm-hmm. expect it. You expect to read, read the Bible daily. Mm hmm. It's that in 25 years, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, You know, a lot of this list really is like around the idea, I think, of slowing down, like stop moving so fast. Read the Bible daily for 25 years. That's a slow work. Pick a church and church and say that's a slow work. Prioritize Sabbath. That's a slow work. Apologizing, forgiving, giving, listening. All of those things are like being slow, not moving around, not reacting Mm -hmm. frantically. But like choosing kind of the so slow, steady, faithful life. We've quoted this so often, but all of it makes me think of Eugene Peterson's long obedience in the same direction. Right. The one that doesn't make sense here, because Sabbath makes sense. Mm -hmm. A lot of these like they make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Don't steal time at work. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that one? That one stood out to me, too, as like a kind of a question mark. Like, wonder what he means by that. Stealing time at work. I don't know that it fits on this list, but it does speak to integrity, doesn't it? I guess it does that's speak it. To um, who you are, but stealing time, like I saw somebody on Twitter write, "Oops, I just retweeted this at work. Now I feel guilty." Because <laughs> I, you know, what's tricky about stealing time at work, especially in this kind of culture we live in of work, where we don't have the anymore. Like you go to the office and you work nine to five. Some people still do, mm-hmm. but generally we're working remotely. Our hours are kind of all over the place for some people. The boundary lines aren't as clear for work in a lot of ways. So then what does it look like to steal time from work? Like, because if you're getting your work done, no matter Mm -hmm. the hours, that's not stealing time. So is it not doing the work you should, the way you should not giving work your best? Like, how do, how do you prioritize or how do you categorize not stealing time from work in a different work culture than we used to be in? This feels to me like under the umbrella of integrity, have integrity. And this is, feels like a particular like uh one for him right now i'll bet I was he's just thinking that. i'll bet yeah. he's talking i bet you it's in a book i'll bet he's, you he's written on it 
Uh, but I do think the overall one of have integrity, and there's lots yeah. of ways we can describe that. Yeah, uh, I would I would have laughed. I would have I would have enjoyed it more if he just literally wrote, "Don't steal pens from work." <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal staples or paper from work. <laughs> Don't steal office supplies. Well, coming up next, Aubrey, it is that time. It's a Friday. It's a top five list. A St. Patrick's theme, kind of. Kind of St. Patrick themed top five list coming up next year on the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Today is Friday. Today is St. Patrick's Day. And with that being said, it is not only time for a top five list, but Aubrey, hey, St. Patrick's Day I'm very themed excited. top five list. So introduce it for us in your favorite Irish accent. Oh, today we're going to do our top five Patrick's, you know. <laughs> and then we're going to drink some Guinness. Nope. And then we're going to eat some soda bread and some... <laughs> People could see you right now. <laughs> like, you're doing like a... I'm doing like, like a, a like a jig. Arm movement. Yeah, this is my Irish arm movement. This is all the That's Irish really people funny. do this elbow That's really move. funny. Well, yep. well, if, you, if you missed it in that awesome Irish accent, in, in, uh, <laughs> with today being St. Patrick's Day, Aubrey and I are doing top five Patrick's. We're going to do our top fun. five Patrick's. Very This fun. could be, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not putting any, anything yep. on this, Aubrey, but I would say Patrick or variations of yes. the name Patrick. Sound good? Yes. That sounds fantastic. I'm very excited. You are going to go first today. I will begin with uh, the man himself, St. Patrick. My number Seems five. obvious. I, he did not make my list, but uh, it, for all the reasons we talked about earlier, probably should be on the list. Yeah, That's he's good. a That's fantastic, good. fantastic uh, hero to many of I'm us. I'm going to go so into the sports world okay. <clears throat> uh, for number five. Uh, former NBA superstar, Hall of Famer, New York Nick in my youth, Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Great Patrick. Excellent did Patrick. Did you know well of Patrick done, Ewing? I, I did, believe it or not. If you ask me more questions, I won't be able to answer them. Uh, he was the main star in the in the New York area of basketball while, during my years of growing up. So Patrick nice. Ewing. Nice. All right. My next one is a cartoon character from the old Snoopy cartoons named Peppermint Patty. Ooh, good one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, Peppermint Patty may have not been like the greatest of all. She was a little mean to to charlie brown sometimes but i like her okay uh my number four this man has been on our televisions for what feels like our entire lifetimes i know that's a little <laughs> over the top uh many of our older uh people uh, older listeners probably enjoy this person very much his name is pat sajak oh that is a great one brian the wheel of fortune guy and man. he i told you this before but did you know those guys he makes millions of dollars. Do you know that they record like one day a week? Maybe they That's might awesome. do a month's worth of shows in a week. That's awesome. They might do or a week's worth of shows in a day. Wow. And, uh, and then they're done. That's it's a great we life. Need, we need the, an upgrade uh, from the common good to the Wheel of Fortune. So people will, like who question like Drew Carey just going from like a acting right. career to being the prices right. You're yeah. like, no, that guy traded. Up. He just like is living his best life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Number okay. Three. My my number three is also someone who's been on many of our television sets since we were younger. He was a child star who grew into a Broadway star who grew. I know into what it is. Sitcom star. You want to guess for me? 
Yeah, you're going middle name. You're going Neil Patrick Harris. I'm going Neil Patrick Harris. That's my number three. You remember our first introduction to Neil Patrick Harris, right? Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser, MD. Loved that show. That was so. Good. Do you know, Brian, that on Disney Plus there's a new Doogie Hauser? It's so hmm. good. It's no, it's so no. good. It's set in Hawaii, and the family is amazing. It's a, it's a girl. She's not Doogie Hauser. Her name is something else, but it's kind of a nod to Doogie Hauser, and it is fantastic. Okay, I'll believe yeah. you in that one. I, I have I decided I'm like it. against the remakes of our favorite shows: The Wonder Years, Doogie Hauser. Yeah, no, this one's good. I recommend it. I recommend it. All right. So wait, that was number three. My Mm -hmm. number three. And this has more to do because she is one of the stars of a show that I have. It's from the 90s, early 2000 comedy. Okay. I have just every time it's on, I watch it now. It's the show is Everybody Loves Raymond. And Deborah's name is Patricia. Patricia Heaton. Heaton. She's great. She is a fun actress. Yeah. I don't know anything else she has done. Yeah, but, uh, her great. playing Deborah in Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, that show. Some comedies haven't from our like our when we were younger haven't really held up. That mm-hmm. one's held up. It yeah, that's a really funny, funny show. That's yeah, a really yeah. funny. I, I once heard. I don't know how I heard this. I must have watched a documentary or something. But like a making of Everybody Loves Raymond, and the guy who cast her, they had somebody else cast as Patricia, and the chemistry wasn't working. Or as what was her name on Deborah. the show? Deborah. It wasn't working. Patricia Heaton came in, and like he said, she said one word. It was like the way she said Raymond, and they were like, "Done. She's hired." And the rest is history. <laughs> so I, lo- I love that. All right, uh, my number two. Man, this... uh... I'm going to make a bet right now that my number two is going to be either your one or two. Okay, interesting. Okay, okay, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. My number two uh, was also part of our teenage years. He has now grown up into adulthood and become a silver fox. I'm just going to say it. It is Patrick Dempsey. Oh, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, Most known for... Uh, what was the medical show? Uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's right. Before but that I know was him on more Can't Buy Me Disney Love. Movies. Yeah, he was on those Disney movies. Yeah, with, he was uh, on like the... Um, Ella Enchanted? No, the, I was going to say Ella Enchanted too. It's Enchanted and Disenchanted. Enchanted. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We went yes. through a phase of watching. All right, my number two. We will see if he shows up as your number one then. I'm going to be disappointed. He's if not this going to. I already know. One. Yeah. What's... I, I already uh, know he's not my number one, but go ahead. I'm going. Sadly, he passed away early. The star of Dirty Dancing, Patrick Swayze. Uh, he's on my honorable mention list. Really? That's a good I one. Would have, yeah. I would have bet large yeah. amounts of money he would have been high on your list. Yeah. Yeah. He's on my honorable mention. Patrick Speaking Swayze, of, we forget about him because he's now passed away. But I know. So uh, sad. He's a ghost. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> wink, wink. It was inappropriate. But between right? Ghost and uh, Dirty Dancing and, and stuff, Patrick Swayze, uh, The Outsiders, come on. <gasps> I love that movie. Okay, can love I? It. I've got a few honorable mentions, by I the do way. Too. I got Go a ahead. lot of Patrick's. All right, Swayze on there. Patty Lapone, Broadway actress. Patty Smith, punk singer. Patrick Stewart, the Shakespearean guy, and also one of the, um, you know, X Men. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, I have a couple uh, honorable mentions. Uh, Dan Patrick, he is a famous sports center anchor. Okay. Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback <gasps> of the Kansas City Patrick Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, how is he not on my list? I'm such a I sports then went fan. With, uh, the Pat skit from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that's un- yeah, that's unbeatable. That's a good one. That's a good one. 
I don't think they could do it now, though. <laughs> nope. Definitely not. Definitely not. You are right about that. Uh, and then, at your favorite diner or other place, a patty melt. That is so close to my number one. So I'm just going to segue to my number one, which is a hamburger patty. (laughs) (laughs) I also had other patties like a salmon patty, a turkey burger patty, patty, a chicken patty. Yeah, just the patty in general. Yes. A hamburger patty. Yep, that's my number one. What do you like on your hamburger patty? Um, I like, let's see, what do I like? I like cheese. I like a little mustard, but not a lot. Nope. L- little ketchup, but not a lot. Zero mayo. Some pickles. Um, I'm not a big lettuce fan. I do like some of the fancy ones, you know, where they like throw in the like onions and the, I don't know, taco sauce and the oh, gosh. <laughs> corn. I don't know. I like a fancy burger corn. to guacamole. Basically, I'm, descri- I'm describing tacos now. Maybe I meant Did tacos. <laughs> guacamole and corn on your on your. Burger? I have burger the burger local in geneva where it was like street corn and guacamole on the burger and it was like what would you ma'am what would you like on your burger i would like uh i will have guacamole (laughs) corn and and specialty onions please (laughs) what do you like on your burger you're saying no to all mine what do you like uh cheese yeah bacon oh yes yes pickles yeah pickles kevin hates pickles but pickles on a burger is good and I, I hate Kevin. That's it. Right there. <laughs> All right. What's your number one? My number one. And I will I will grant you that this is dad joke level pun and that this is also speaks to my um, people pleasing nature. Ah. I'm going with a good solid pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb, Brian. <laughs> is that good? Is that good? <laughs> That's our top five best Patrick's here on St. Patty's Day. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. We hope you have an amazing weekend. Brian and I will be back again on Monday. Brian, what's Monday? Your birthday. It's going to be. I mean, it's going to be out of control. It's going to be out of control. epic. So you guys better be back. It's going to be an amazing show. We'll be back again on Monday, the 20th, my birthday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.